Hello and welcome to episode nine of the Liberland Show. I'm your host, Adam J. Carswell. Today we are joined by Kolya Spori. Kolya has been a Formula One manager. He is a university lecturer, a danger zone traveler, and is also a diplomat of Liberland. Kolya, thank you for joining us today. And do you have any opening remarks for our listeners? Hello, Adam. It's great to talk to a fellow Liberlander from Monaco to uh, the United States West Coast. Glad to see Liberland represented all over the world. Absolutely. And, it, and for all of our listeners, who knows where they are, but as you just mentioned, all over the world, it's, it's a beautiful time to be a Liberlandian. Speaking of which, can you tell us how you began your journey as a Liberlandian? I had read in the press early on about the uh, Liberland project, and I was immediately fascinated. About three years ago, I met Vidyetlichka, who is now my president or our president, mm -hmm. at um, a, a famous libertarian conference in Bodrum, Turkey, Professor Hoppe's uh, Property and Freedom Conference. And uh, Vit and I immediately clicked, and I was very glad and honored that he took me on board as a uh, now a diplomat for Liberland. And it sounds like at least three years ago, you had what we would consider a, a freedom mindset, a liberty-based mentality. Were you always like that or did you used to believe differently? I was always like this. Um, I left home at age 17. I was a windsurfer, uh, a big wave windsurfer all over the world that uh, is uh, addicting to freedom in itself. Never really uh, spent much time in uh, government and uh, uh, NGO networks. Always felt like an entrepreneur. Uh, so self-ownership and um, volunteerism and uh, also the non-aggression principle came to me naturally. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, later on, I also learned about uh, the theory and the academic side. And so the theory side, the academic side, can you explain a little bit more about how that has helped craft the way that you think? I uh, was uh, studying economics uh, in Frankfurt and UCLA. And at the time, about 30 years ago, it was uh, neo-institutionalism that I was following. And um, to uh, learn about uh, Austrian school economics and um, uh, the libertarian uh, academic world, um, I had to meet people who pointed me towards it, which was maybe five years ago. And uh, so I basically uh, read some of the books and um, met some of the protagonists like um, uh, Professor Hopp, Hoppe and mm -hmm. uh, Wolfgang Bloch and um, a couple of others. I think it is actually the most natural way for people to organize themselves and to produce and distribute goods. And um, it is our uh, status world that gives the impression uh, that other solutions could be better. Uh, they are definitely not. <laughs> I agree with you. And, and to go deeper into that statist world, you've been to, what, 190 of these state-backed countries? Uh, yes, I have been to 192 of the 193 United Nations member countries. Actually, that also taught me that the meaning of a state is not as sacrosanct as we sometimes believe, because out of those member states, there's quite a number of countries that are not recognized by other countries. Sometimes there's new entrants, like uh, recently South Sudan or East Timor. So um, others are waiting in line, uh, like Kosovo. Others would like to become an independent member but will never make it because they're not backed by the Western powers. 
Examples are Abkhazia, South Ossetia, uh, Somaliland, uh, West Sahara, Sahrawi Republic. I certainly had a complete overview about all the exponents of statism in the world. Uh, just one country missing. And that country is? Eritrea, which has no particular reason. It just happens to be the last one I need to visit. But let me tell you something. I'm thinking about not visiting it for, <laughs> as a sort of protest because uh, it's quite uh, some status procedures that I need to go through, like applying for a visa, having a local guide, and uh, really they make it not so easy. And finally, we have a lot of Eritreans entering uh, uh, Central Europe at the moment mm -hmm. uh, without passport and with, without visa. Somehow I thought I should make a point of this, that uh, <laughs> we're in a strange time at the moment. Absolutely. I think you have a very compelling story there. Uh, I would not be surprised if uh, you're able to bring some of these things to light simply from your, your background and your experience. So out of all of the uh, quote-unquote danger zones that you've traveled to, what's one place that you've been to that you've kind of been like, you know what, I think I'll be okay if, if I never come back here? Uh, it's funny that you say it. Actually, I, I love danger zone atmosphere, and um, that is not the reason uh, I would, wouldn't go back. Although Mogadishu, Somalia, was so wild, I was actually there last year, in 2017, mm -hmm. um, it's really dangerous, so... I would hope to go back there when they're functioning again um, as a civilized society. But um, there's other countries that I'm not going back to because they are bland and nothing to see that exists. <laughs> uh, not going to name any. Okay. <laughs> we keep everyone happy. Can you tell us uh, about a unique experience that you've had personally since being associated with Liberland? Yes, I, I was very um, uh, pleased that uh, Vidyatlichka agreed to host my Extreme Traveler International Congress um, two years ago. We had 40 of the world's most traveled people from around 20 countries visiting Liberland for a big event. Mm. It's an annual event I'm organizing. And uh, Vid and his team uh, had organized a fantastic reception in uh, the free trade zone of Apatine and the two, three hotels there. And then on the state vessel, uh, the MS Liberty, which took us down the Danube, or actually um, up the Danube towards mm -hmm. Liberland. The only downside was that the Croatians were out with four patrol boats and a militia at the beach. So they really made sure we could not step foot on Liberland. Nevertheless, we have the passport stamp and we got the whole Liberland feeling and everybody was happy. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you were uh, you were as close as you could get. And as you mentioned, you got the passport stamp, you got the feeling and that's interesting. Can you tell us a little bit more about the organization that did you say you founded with 40 of the world's most sophisticated travelers? Uh, yes, it's called the Extreme Traveler International Congress, or in short, ETIC. ETIC has two meanings here. We're king of boxes of world. And ETIC is also a play on words on ethical behavior. I believe that travel in itself is an ethical undertaking because you meet people all over the world and you build bridges to different cultures. So I'm inviting around 30 to 40 travelers every year who have been to almost every country or indeed to every country. So it's quite a, a small circle of mm -hmm. extreme travelers. Yeah, that, that's really cool. And I guess it gives me a, a target to hit. I know we joked before the call, I think I've been to about 13 or 14 countries. And then you, you turn around, and you're like, hey, if you come to Europe, you can, you can do about 15 in one day. That's true, Adam. 
you can only do that in Europe. He has, a, I think, a Guinness Book record uh, entry now uh, because of that trip. Interesting. Who is that? He's a Norwegian guy, and his name is... Uh, one moment, you got me there. <laughs> Usually very strong with names. <laughs> he's also a book author. <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't get the name right now. Well, we'll uh, if we're curious enough, we'll look him up. We'll Google him or something after the call. Kolya, can you now tell us a little bit more about your professional background too? I know you, you talked about learning economics um, while in university, while in school, but I noticed you, know, you had the Formula One manager on your resume. Yes, I um, had uh, my first job as head of sponsorship for Hugo Boss, the, the fashion company. Mm -hmm. And that made it possible that I created my own company as a sports marketing agent, uh, especially in Formula One, car racing, but also in uh, America's Cup sailing, uh, class one offshore powerboat racing, wow. a bit of heavyweight boxing. So in my opinion, interesting platforms, especially for a young guy. And I was lucky to be involved in... Uh, couple of good deals at the time and that made it possible for me to travel a lot uh, in the last 10 years or so my company base is in is in monaco uh, ever since so i'm i'm also an entrepreneur well monaco that seems to be the land of entrepreneurs am i accurate in saying that uh, i think so yeah it's a very good place i love it it is uh, maybe not a, a libertarian country there's a lot of uh, state representatives there but um, I have no problem with a benevolent ruler like Prince Albert, who I've met several times. Mm -hmm. And Monaco is a great uh, country, even if Liberland is, is, is my number one. <laughs> Good to know. What advice would you give to an aspiring Liberlandian, maybe someone who was in your shoes about three years ago? I um, think it is a good idea to make yourself visible to Liberland uh, by uh, promoting the country, um, maybe with a press article or with an event uh, in your country where you uh, make the, the spirit of Liberland uh, available to, to other compatriots and thereby uh, show the Liberland leadership that you are able to, to help the whole project. Uh, this is a much better way than simply applying online for the citizenship. I agree. Although applying online for citizenship helps, I think it's funny. Um, I'm not sure. It sounds like your story was a little bit different, but a lot of people I have on the show so far have all kind of gone through the same. They applied online and then got a face-to-face -face opportunity, a face-to-face -face interaction. And that's when a lot of uh, current Liberlandians capitalized. But it's funny that we all kind of followed this online citizenship first step. Uh, yes, um, I, I, I was fortunate to, to have this face-to-face -face opportunity with uh, Vidya Lichka, uh, but I'm sure there's many uh, roads that lead to Rome, or in this case, to Liberland. Definitely. Well, uh, Kolya, where in your mind do you see Liberland in the next three to five years? I am very optimistic about Liberland, uh, actually the only micronation that is going to make it to the next level, in my opinion. Why? Because it is a, a project on a terra nullius, the only such project where there's a legal claim uh, under international law. And this will be established uh, sooner or later uh, through the lawsuits pending, as far as I know, in The Hague mm -hmm. and also in uh, Croatia. So once this legal problem is solved, uh, then the country can be settled. 
uh, with um, liberal lenders living there. Uh, I'm absolutely sure this is going to happen. And then uh, all those fantastic uh, plans that have been made by architects uh, like Zaha Hadid to make uh, Liberland look like a future Hong Kong in the Balkans Mm -hmm. is is going to take place. I agree. Where, um, or should I say, you you mentioned to me earlier, this is uh, kind of rare. This is maybe only your third or fourth recent online interaction in English. How can can the listeners keep in touch with you? And do you think you're going to be making more guest appearances here moving forward? I have um, had a number of um, appearances uh, in the German-speaking world. Recently, from a libertarian point of view, I had an interview with Doug Casey and uh, Joel Bauman on The International Man. Then I was on Jeff Barwick's Arnakar's show. So um, I'm very glad to become part of the international libertarian uh, spirit. And I'm obviously happy for uh, any further projects. Absolutely. Is there a way uh, anyone listening could could get in touch with you? Do you have a website or or some point of contact? Uh, I have a website where my uh, email is visible. That is on www.spori.net. That is S-P-O-R-I.net. And I'm glad to to um, to talk to other liberlanders or aspiring liberlanders in the future. Good to know. Well, Kolya, thank you. It's been a complete honor and privilege having you on the show. Do you have any closing remarks? Great to talk to you today, Adam. Uh, super project of yours. Keep it up and going. Thank you. You've got it. All right, Lieberlandians, we will catch you in the next episode. Again, this has been episode nine of the Lieberland Show with Kolya Spori. I'm your host, Adam J. Carswell. We'll see you in the next one. Hold on one moment there. Kolya has recalled the name of the Norwegian traveler. What was his name? His name is Gunnar Garfors. Perfect. How do you spell that? Gunnar, that's like a gun. G-U-N-N-A-R. And Garfors is G-A-R-F-O-R-S. All right, everyone, you heard it right here. Go Google him now. Check out Gunnar. I can't even remember how to say it. Gunnar Garfors? Yes, the man (laughs) who did 19 countries in one day. Wow. That's the end of the show right there. Go go look up Gunnar and get some inspiration. We'll see you in the next one, guys.